and welcome to Brainstorm Squared, where we talk openly about mental health, connecting with others, and brainstorm strategies to improve our personal and work lives. I'm Aidan Kamis, a mere chair for Red Hat's neurodiversity community, and I have ADHD. I'm joined by Damiano Tescaro, marketer with a passion for good coffee and effective communication. In this episode, we are going to talk about introvert versus extrovert the common misconceptions, and how to be an introvert manager. We're also going to talk through some of our experiences and some exercises that we've come up with to help introverts and shy people. We're also, of course, going to go on some wild tangents, as we always do, and also a very interesting improv session about tomatoes. What are we going to be talking about today, Damiano? Today, we address a question coming from Benny from Berlin. Hey, Benny, thank you for the question. It's about introvert versus extrovert especially in the workplace you make it sound like this is going to be some blockbuster movie where you know it's it's <laughs> the the biggest stars introvert fighting extrovert uh, wrestling that... match between the absolutely <laughs> this is the ultimate showdown because if there are other introverts in the call they know how it feels like they uh-huh. know why we have to talk about this today and i'm gonna come clean first I'm an introvert, big time introvert. Aidan, are you an introvert or an extrovert? Oh, that's a very exciting question there. And you know how I love to to bring my games into this podcast. I don't want it to to be a, a one way conversation. Um, so Cliffhanger. Yeah, I'm going to give it now. <laughs> I'm going to give the listener at home a couple of seconds to guess before I reveal later on in the episode. I'm going to leave a cliffhanger now. Um, yeah, so today we wanted to talk a bit about some of the some of the kind of assumptions and and kind of stereotypes around introverts and extroverts. And I won't leave you hanging for, for any longer because I'm actually an introvert. Um and people never guess that. And anytime I say, Oh yeah, no, I was I was feeling really anxious then. I didn't know like But you talk like all the time. You give presentations. You all do the a time, podcast. Right? Doesn't And mean... this is I think that the answer that I, I get also all the time, they're like, I can't believe you're possibly an introvert. And I'm like, I promise you, I'm an introvert. What I find incredible is that I think 99% of the people that I'm talking with, they, th- there seems to be this association with being introvert equals being shy. Hmm. Being extrovert equals being outgoing and, you know, always being on in the spotlight. Yeah, confident is... or great presenting. There's, there's lots of stereotypes attached there, yeah. Exactly. But that's technically not really true, isn't it? Yeah, it's not quite that simple, unfortunately. That That's why we have different words for shy and introverted. They're, they're not just synonyms by their very definition. The way we can think about this, at least that's how I approached it, mm. is really thinking about how do we use or recharge our energy. Mm. So I'm really thinking like, a battery of sorts. When I talk about being an introvert or being an extrovert, and uh, it's a bit of a crude metaphor, but if you indulge me, uh, <laughs> I think indulged, it could make sense. Please. Please. That was not a sentence that you have been indulged. Please carry on. <laughs> so if I think of uh, being an introvert to me means that when I interact with people, when I go into this um, social space, I use my energy so my energy gets depleted when i'm on my own in my you know my own time doing my own things which could be anything reading a book playing video games watching a movie Hmm. my things i recharge my energy 
while extroverts are exactly the flip side of this. So when they are on their own, when they're alone, they actually, their energy goes down and they need the social interaction to recharge their batteries. I think this is uh, maybe a simplified way, but I think to, to me kind of resounds with how I feel. Does it resound for you, Aiden? Yeah, absolutely. And throughout that whole thing, I was trying to get rid of the image of, you know, when you're playing The Sims and you've got like the bars for, you know, <laughs> yes. you need to eat food, you need to get sleep. For some people, it's, right, I yeah. need all of this social, uh, I need this social connection with others and that gives me energy for others. It's like, this bar is going the other way around. Um, yeah, and, and obviously it's never a, like a binary thing. It's not a case yeah. of if I talk to one person today i'll be really tired and drained and panicky and everything that that's not the case you know our brains don't work in binary manners like that you know it just like i can still have very lovely conversations with close friends um it doesn't mean i don't enjoy having conversations i enjoy going to parties you know but it's on that kind of high higher level like at the end of the yeah. day I am very happy to just sit and play Minecraft for 20 hours straight. Um, I will happily do so many things which don't involve people. For others, like, okay, no, I need to go and see a pal. I need to do this. And, and that's okay. That's just the way we are all unique. Absolutely. And I think the beauty of, like, imagining this bar, like you were saying for the Sims or like mm. a battery, is that I think it changes the perspective on how do we understand our energy first so internally right mm -hmm. and then also understanding how do we interact with other people for example i know that being an introvert i do need to recharge if i spend too much time say in meetings at work yeah. for example yeah. right so i would know that i prefer in general to have a block of work like work time for myself in the middle of the day because it allows me to sort of buffer between the meetings in the morning and the meetings in the afternoon mm. and this it's something that I come to understand by simply acknowledging really that my energy level would fluctuate during the day. Mm. Or the fact that, you know, if I have a long day of meetings, I do know that once I close the computer off, I need my hour walk outside by myself. Not with friends, not with fam nobody. It's just me because I need to recharge that battery first. Does mm. it happen to you as well during the day? Yes, 100%. And, you know, this is where people kind of, everyone, some of the team, they just assume you're extroverted because I, um, I I can say that I am now. I didn't used to be, but I'm okay at talking. You know, I'm I'm often able to. Some Sometimes people say I'm too good at talking with the whole huge You're very tangents, good at talking. The very huge good tangents. At I do too much of it. Not, not always quantity, <laughs> it's quality. Um but yeah, absolutely. So a lot of people, uh, you, you know, I think this is something I find interesting. I can happily give a presentation and I enjoy doing that. Like I, I enjoy the kind of um, adrenaline, the thinking on the spot. That's all great. Um, like I was chatting to my life coach last night um, about this exact thing. So it's something I've been working on for a while. But we we're talking about goals, impossible goals, and my impossible goal for this year was to deliver a TED talk. Obviously, impossible is in the name, but it's something to work Look towards little to. by little. Like if you fail that goal, you've still made progress, and that's great. Right. But I was saying that actually, now that I think about it, if someone gave me the choice right now between delivering a TED talk tomorrow or going to a networking event with no 
like on my own like that kind of thing where you've been invited to a party and your friend goes hey how's it going yeah oh yeah come on in oh by the way i've got to go and do this and they disappear yeah and you're just like (laughs) alone and your brain immediately goes into you're alone everyone's looking (laughs) at you this is i'd rather give a ted talk like that's how much i naturally am afraid or resist wanting to have those open vulnerable conversations where you know you don't know anything so that's where i'm at in terms of introversion how about you a hundred percent and i think this is a perfect example actually of the difference between being maybe shy in public situation Mm. versus the level of energy right because your own ted talk it's virtually like being on stage Mm. a little bit right where you are on your own you don't necessarily need to interact with other people but it's sort of like a performance very powerful example and interestingly enough i think the I don't know if you remember when was the first time you started to really think about you as an introvert, because I do have these memories. And I think it was really when I I moved from Italy to Ireland. Mm -hmm. And that was after a couple of years of doing musicals in in Italy, right, where I was kind of performing on stage. And uh, then it started to work. And a lot of people will telling me, oh, well, you're, you know, you're you're good at talking with people. And, uh, you know, when you present stuff. And I was like, that doesn't sound like me at all. Mm. What are you talking about? Let's no. I yeah. feel really uh, <laughs> weird all the time. And um, I think there there has been a point where I don't remember exactly when, but there has been a switch where I understood the energy metaphor that we were mm. doing earlier. Do you do you actually remember if did you have a switch moment as well in your how how did it happen? I did. I don't know if it was like an overnight thing, but it came from so I, I grew up in a village where there weren't really many people my age. We went to primary school and it was quite a small primary school. So small that when we got to the final year of that primary school, I was the only person in my year. I was the I only year six, which is no way quite interesting. So it meant that I did stuff with the year fives, um, but they were all smart, so that was fine. So I went from that, like a school of 45, 50 people, like Seventh-day events, it was some Christian school. So it's like very lovely, insulated, everyone's friends. This is great. And I was like, yay, this is fine. I know everyone. I went from that to a school with about a thousand boys. It was an all boys school. Wow. Lots of fun, I guess. Yeah. And of course, I was the only person going from my year. So I knew no one. And there was no one else that I knew in the village who was going there. So that was kind of like a networking slash party <laughs> dialed up to the max. And Squared, like, yes. Yeah, that, that, was, that was, I struggled then. You know, I got better near the end, but I, I wouldn't say I enjoyed that. And Was I'll, it a boarding school or did you have to commute every day? I was, it was going, uh, not boarding, no. So I got, I got a bus in every day, which was, which was nice. Okay. You know, eventually I did get chatting to the people on there, but before it was just get on bus, headphones on with my iPod classic. Oh, remember that. Um, on the bus, go there, go to school, talk to my two or three friends there, rinse and repeat for about three or four years. Um, right. I mean, generally, it's not a smart idea to just completely segregate one half of the population from, you know, like just separating, like separating anything or segregating by gender doesn't make sense because that's not how the real world is society works (laughs) yeah toxic toxic masculinity is a thing in its own right it's only 
turned up to 11 in that situation. So yeah, lots of trauma and therapy stuff to get over there. Uh, but then went to uni, studied computer science. But yeah, that was around the moment I was like, huh, I just want to go home and play Pokemon. Right, right. And so did you kind of find that when you were playing Pokemon, you were suddenly feel better? Or do you find like patterns where, I don't know, if you were supposed to go out on the weekends with your friends, you knew that you had to play Pokemon first to charge the battery to then go out and have a good time with your friends? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Some, sometimes, and I never wanted it to feel this way, but I do feel like there's a certain point. I think you, probably university is a better time to talk about here for me because it was when I was, you know, I was actually self-aware at that point. It wasn't just, I'm sad all the time. and blah. It was like, oh, actually, I'm going to go out to this party. I'm going to see these people. But there's a certain point where I'm like, actually, I don't want to go out to the club. I kind of just want to I'd happily go home, watch some things on YouTube, um, read a book and go to bed. And now it's the same with, yeah, okay, yeah, I know there's this post-work call and I really do enjoy the time I spend with you. And oh, yeah, okay, we can do a post-work, I can do like a Zoom quiz with my friends from from uni, but or I could just listen to a podcast and eat some food and have an early night. And like that, that's okay. Like yep. that, that's something which, but before I would have judged myself like, oh, were well, you supposed to be going out and meeting people and doing a lesson? No, it's fine to read a bloody yeah. book. That, that voice, right? Especially I think when there are, I don't know if it's a teenager trend, but you know, I grew up in Italy and uh, I guess the, the idea of going partying, you know, in the, mm-hmm. on the weekend, it's sort of like the, it's not even an option. It's just like something people have to do. Like oh, what kind wow. of a teenager are you if you don't want to party the whole weekend? <laughs> and I always felt, just like you said, like very out of place because mm. I'm not that kind of party person, to be honest. And and this is, again, <laughs> uh, a bit, I guess, unusual. I still judge myself for this. I actually do like an early night in, if I'm honest mm. with you, because I do like waking up early in the morning. So again, counterintuitive maybe, I'm not sure. But part of the question that Benny, hello Benny, one more time, um, was asking is that because Benny is actually a people manager. Okay. Take everything we were saying now and the dynamics that we've seen during our teenage, but even university, and now project them into the world of companies. And maybe you work for a big company where there's tons of people Mm. and maybe your career progression depends on becoming a people manager at a certain point, managing other people. And then you tend to have these meetings with millions and millions of people and you kind of have to stand up for yourself you kind of have to Mm. show what you do if you really want to progress Mm. so in your experience when it comes to a company environment how did you leave your relationship with your job with your colleagues as an introvert working for a big company or for a small company that's an interesting question so so it's something I was definitely aware of when I got first year of uni. I was like, right now, I'm always going to have to talk to people. So it's something I was always working on. But th- this may not be relevant for everyone, but for me, at least, the differentiator that I found when if I find a conversation difficult or not, there's one or two things. One of them is, can I escape the conversation? If I bump into someone on the street who I haven't seen in ages... Again, it's such a weird dissonance because I'm like, oh, hey, Jack, I haven't seen you in ages. It's great to see you. And I'm generally excited to see them. But the other part of my brain is like, panic, got to go home. <laughs> I've, I need to go to shops. Or, or even, even if I haven't got a deadline of thing, it's like, 
say hello to output because you can't run out of things to say if you run out of things to say if if there's a lull in the conversation they're going to judge you blah 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 and that's all to do with you know i I can't remember if i mentioned it before but i definitely will in the future if not about how our brains kind of evolved and adapted to fear judgment because if you're judged and ostracized then you end up being kicked out of the tribe and then it's more difficult to survive on your own. So that part of your brain is always going, don't want to be judged, regardless of if you're introverted or extroverted. It's like, don't judge me. Yeah. So one of them is, can I escape? Because if it's like that, I'm like, oh, by the way, I've got to go to the shops. Like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's fine. An but easy way out. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's you've got that escape. And ah, it's okay, I can go back to listen to our podcast. And the other one is, is there an existing thing, in air quotes, to talk about? So when I'm on like a training course, say a training course to do with how to give engaging presentations or crucial conversations, and it's like, okay, go into groups and like role play a thing. I'm like, that's great. I go straight into, okay, team, so we're going to do this and then you're going to do this. And then what do you think of this? I like completely flows out of me. But if it's just, oh yeah, thanks for coming to our talk today. Uh, There's going to be food and drinks out in the lobby. You just go around there and network lost <laughs> what is how how do i network what is what, what how, is the goal of this how does this work what is your weather today doing good hi <laughs> sorry got to go wash this is the super interesting actually this is super do you think it's because of the framework is that what changes your your mindset in that situation i'm getting major deja vu because this is exactly what i was talking about with my life coach last night kate wiltshire incredible human we're talking about like okay how much of this is actually me like how much of this is actually my inability to talk and how much of it is around that kind of like meta thinking like oh i'm not able to talk oh i don't know what to say oh i'm worried about having the silence like we can talk we are having a conversation right now as long as we find it interesting that's a loose one yeah like this this flows really well so and i'm sure you at home are thinking the same there are times when conversation just flows and there are other times when you're going oh i don't know what to you have that ability and even if you don't and you struggle to keep a conversation going that's again in air quotes that's okay as well like we fear the silence our judgmental brains go oh no panic panic it's okay to like not constantly be you know not every conversation has to be like a um, an incredible world-renowned presentation or, <laughs> yes. or like conversation it is true you know I, I was thinking in particular when it comes to in work situations and this has been i suppose the way i've built my own armor uh, against the judgment and the fear of judgment you mm-hmm. were mentioning before which i completely subscribe to it's a <laughs> well-known friend for many years yeah but um I, I think it's the idea for me at least is to trigger or to deviate the conversation from the ordinary, Mm, right? There is a lot of times where people would start, imagine like your typical video call that starts, hi, how are you today? Good, and me too. Yeah, how's the weather? Oh my God, it's raining for like three days. Oh Jesus, you know, oh, how is the COVID going in your area? You know, uh, the usual questions. And I kind of made a point for myself to try as hard as I can to deviate immediately from that so my first question would be something totally unrelated that could be you know oh what is the last uh brand of coffee that you drank and this person has no idea they don't care yeah but it creates this sort of kind (laughs) of canyon in their thinking process that literally shatters the expectation of the conversation and usually i find that because i deconstructed the expectation from the other side Mm -hmm. i am able to air quotes, 
control the flow of the conversation a little bit better and okay. make the conversation a bit safer for everyone. Yes. Because like suddenly that. everybody's in the same place of, I've no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that wasn't where I was expecting that to go. So, so you're making everyone feel like they're on a safe level playing field by confusing the hell out of them. And then, in, in is a that way, right? Yeah, in a way, right? Because it's it's the moment I think where you deconstruct the ah, God, the the appearance, I guess, mm. in a certain way. You know, I've had like um, um, we were doing a recording with somebody in our company and mm -hmm. relatively high profile, and you know, I, I suppose most people that go into this kind of conversation or this kind of meetings, they're like, oh, hello, oh, please, can I do this for you? Blah blah blah. Yeah. And again, I deliberately make a point not to do that because first of all then there is a sort of kind of stiffness in the air which doesn't help when you're doing like yeah. a video work yeah but on the other side i think is extremely boring this is i think where people would say oh damiano is an extrovert because look how he's talking yeah. to this very important manager blah 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 yeah. when the truth is exactly the opposite the truth is look damiano that is afraid to be you know uh judged for being boring and whatever yeah. and he's trying to find another way do you have a similar or do you use similar tools to achieve a different result? Yeah, you, you've, you've stumped me for a sec just because I, I, I've never thought about that kind of way because I, I do something similar like with, with check-ins. I, I like to do the like, how are you feeling today? How are you really feeling today? So I'm like, okay, what do you want to get out of the call? Because I think that's important rather than just me talking for an hour. Well, I'm pretty good at that, as you can tell right now. Um, but I, I like to ask that random question, similar to when we were doing the question from... Uh, we're not really strangers last week is anything like that so like, that was episode seven for the personal user yes. manual by the way everybody should go back and listen to that yes <clears> I, <throat> I might as well to remind myself um but but things like that's so a recent question i asked was, have you got any role models or heroes what did you do on the weekend like just anything that's not work related and like you say is unexpected because you think if, if you're on like 10 back-to-back -back calls a day Every single call is going to be, how are you doing? I'm all right. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. What do you How's think of this project? Like? Oh, yeah, it's good. Good. What's the weather? Oh, it's good. How's COVID going? Oh, this could be better. Oh, okay. And like, that's it. But if it's, you know, how many times in a day does someone ask you, what's your favorite book series of all time? What have you been, what good podcasts have you been listening to? Oh, there's a thing called Brainstorm Squirt. That's all right. Like little <laughs> things like that. Yeah, I, I think, but I've never before thought about, I, I think that's the key that I'm kind of only just realizing now is introverts, might sometimes make better conversationalists right. because I'm always thinking I'm going to be judged if I'm not good in a conversation and I'm continuously working on it. So it's always like overcompensating and then I'm like, oh yeah, he's confident, he's fine. I'm like, I just want to go play Animal Crossing and have a croissant. <laughs> uh, this is so true. And it, you know, to, to be honest, and also connecting to the question from Benny, is the fact that I do believe people managers, when they are introvert, it's more about appreciating, I think, the the energy expense in having these social interactions. Mm. And if you're a people manager who's an introverted, who understand how introvert people work, I think you have also a much easier time to connect with the people in your team because by default, you understand this level. Mm. And then if you happen to have extroverts in your team, you know, all the better. They, they just kind of take energy from the meetings that they have with you and the rest of the team. Fantastic. Mm. So I do think that having introverts as people managers is an incredible resource for mm. a company because, first of all, not everybody's an extrovert. And to recalibrate the definition of introvert versus extrovert, which mm -hmm. is something that 
you know, we, we're doing, I think, quite well today Hopefully. because it's very important. Mm. But secondly, is then understanding, okay, if this is how people work and this is how they prefer to, I know, have their workday organized, for example, mm. how many ways we have to then help them? Understanding that different people in your team allow you to cater better to different team members. Mm. And not everybody can be an extrovert or a center stage person, but everybody should be given the possibility to speak their mind, feel safe, psychological safety is priority. And uh, then the question becomes, okay, how do we do this? How do we let people that not introvert, but maybe they're just shy, mm -hmm. participate? How do we give them the space to feel like they can belong and they can leave, um, openly talk about what they think. Maybe there are a few examples, let's say, that we can think about from our experience, because both of us are introvert, secretly introvert, <laughs> unexpectedly yeah. introverts. Which means we, we know all the tactics. Um, yeah, <laughs> I've, I've got a few. That, there's one, one book I wanted to recommend before, before we move away from the kind of high-level definition. That's uh, a book called Quiet by Susan Cain, that's mm -hmm. C-A-I-N. Um, she's also done a fantastic TED talk called The Power of Introverts, which is far better than I could ever uh, explain, but talks about how our world, you know, it's, I don't want us to come across here as introverts are great and extroverts are bad. Like that's not the case at all. Absolutely. And it's also, I think I've briefly mentioned, it's never a clear like binary definition. Like you're not super shy introvert or super, you know, uh, loud, noisy, excitable extrovert. Everyone is a blend of both. Like I, I'd probably categorize myself now as an ambivert. The the kind of general gist of the whole. General gist of the whole. That's a, as vague a sentence as you could get. <laughs> that was but beautiful. How our world is pretty geared, our Western world is geared towards extroverts. Like you have to be, I think you mentioned like you have to kind of brand and sell yourself and speak loudly in order to get promoted and do all this. Like a lot of it is kind of catered towards that. Like if I want right. to just be chill and, you know, do my thing and not shout about it and promote it on LinkedIn or Instagram or this and that, like you're not as likely to get recognized, even if you're doing the same work or even better work. Absolutely. Um, so, so the key bit is to, you know, give everyone the opportunity to, share their ideas, share their thoughts and, and be, you know, rewarded and recognized for it too. But I want to hear about your like life hacks, because I love life hacks. <laughs> Do I want to spend time and effort doing it? No, I want a simple life hack to make my <laughs> make things easier. Absolutely. And to be honest, I, I think there are a few, uh, let's say strategies that mm -hmm. I, I found that work for me and I would be curious if they you had similar ones. Mm. And to our listeners, if you do find yourself in these ones, please let us know. We do have social media now mm -hmm. at Brainstorm Squared. The first one, I think the golden rule for me is starting with vulnerability first. And mm. this goes way back to our first podcast episode about vulnerability. Yeah, because so like I was saying earlier, right, starting the conversation, suddenly almost puzzling the audience a little bit, kind of shaking the expectations. Usually I do this by putting one of my vulnerabilities on the plate mm. for everyone to see and kind of setting the, the tone of the room. And usually if people, let's say, uh, respect it, and usually if you are in a work environment, everybody kind of should. <laughs> so nobody's going to, you know, tell you, I don't know, you look horrible today, I hate your haircut or whatever. Uh, that's, that's very fair feedback and I'll take that on board and cry. <laughs> 
exactly. But usually that kind of sets the mood, I think, and sets the tone of the safety level in mm. the conversation. I find that, again, for me, being introvert, but a very outgoing person, it's kind of, um, it's a place where I think I I want to be, right? To set the tone of the room, because I want to make sure that the, the people that are maybe less, I guess, outgoing, a bit more shy, feel that they can participate, mm. one. And this mm -hmm. would be, I think, the easiest thing for everybody to to try to do. The behind-the-scene work that brought me here, though, because I was a very shy kid, yeah, in elementary school, middle school, and uh -huh. high school, has been working on acting, actually, for quite a few years when I was, like, a, in my late teens. There is a lot of work that you do when you're acting, you know, especially when it comes to breathing is one of them, but improvisation techniques and literally the most effective magic mantra, I would call it, it's the yes and exercise, which I'm sure you know, I'm sure you know, because I see you smile. Uh -huh. This is something that everybody should try because it's one of those things you cannot imagine. First of all, what a difference it makes. It's two words and it makes, it breaks everything. <laughs> if you, mm -hmm. if you never thought about this before, dear listener, dear millions of listeners, the first thing you should try tomorrow, well, or whenever you listen to this, it's to end your sentences with yes and, or to begin the next sentence with yes and, and this is just a quick exercise to avoid dropping the ball of the conversation, mm. so to speak. It's a way to make sure that the other person has a ledge somewhere or, uh, you know, um, holding... How do you call it? when you're climbing? You have your... Help me here. I'm missing I the I should word. know this because I used to do rock climbing. A uh, handhold? I'm, I'm, hand I'm trying to think because... what they're called. Oh, a rock. Let's... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. A rock. A conversational <laughs> rock to hang off of. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, let's, let's trademark a <laughs> conversational rock to climb on. And... Um, this is, it seems such a silly thing, but how many times in a conversation we are left with nothing from the other person? Yes. And then, of course, we don't know what to say next. Mm. And if we are the person that provides that conversational rock, trademark, people on the other side really appreciate this and they feel so much more engaged. Mm. So definitely two things to start, the vulnerability in the conversation yeah. and beginning and ending with the yes and framework to provide the conversational rock trademark. <laughs> Definitely the first two strategies. What worked yeah, for you in the, in the I, past? I, I really like, so So yes and is something that I've only stumbled across in the past few years. And I, I've, I've only recently started thinking about it in terms of conversations. I've always come at that from like a, you know, you, you commonly see it in improv, but it works very well in podcasting. Um, if, oh, you, yes. if you said something like, oh yeah, so there are these really great exercise for introverts, aren't so this one time when I like just went off in a completely <laughs> different, it feels really stunted. You don't feel yes. great. It feels like someone's just not acknowledging what you've said. You don't always have to end it with the actual words, yes, and. Oftentimes it's just the spirit of the phrase that you really want to come across. Oh, yes. Yeah, we don't Would want you... to sound robotic saying yes, and, yes, and. It can come in more subtle ways. It's true. What, would you say that for the sake of argument, we mm -hmm. do a little demonstration? Just we, we can force it a little bit, but using yes and in every answer, just to bring the point across. What do you think? What do you I'm think? I'm definitely okay with that, and I'll try my best to not completely forget that halfway through. Um, <laughs> no, I'm definitely up for that. Who who wants to start us off? Okay, so I'll I'll give the scenario. Right, okay. we are at the supermarket in front of the vegetable aisle, and we are both reaching out to the very last pack of tomatoes. Clean up on aisle four, please. Clean up on aisle four. 
<laughs> our hands touched. <laughs> How embarrassing! Um, oh. I was um, I was looking at the, this this tomatoes because I'm gonna prepare stew or beef stew tonight, Ooh. sir. Uh, were you were you planning to to cook as well? well yes, I I was, and uh, I was I was also planning on uh, on doing some cooking. I mean, I'm, I'm quite new to cooking, so I was I was planning on making a a tomato cheesecake. I mean, you know, tomato and cheese goes together, so uh, tomato cheesecake. Um, sorry about brushing the hands as well i mean i mean uh, we could we could half the tomatoes if you wanted to oh, absolutely yes and and i'm also thinking you know what uh, a dear friend of mine tried to make the tomato cheesecake once and uh-huh. she got such a terrible rash on her face months and months with the absolute creams and things what a nightmare how about how about uh-huh since beef stew really is no problem at all, how about I'll take you to the next aisle where the pickled cherries with cucumber and chilies are, and we give a shot for using those for the cheesecake. How yeah. about that? Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do that. We can, we can go over there. I can, I can take a shot of the of the pickled tomatoes. I, I feel so young again doing shots in the middle of a supermarket. This is, I wouldn't usually be doing with with a stranger. I mean, is is it safe to do so? Absolutely, absolutely. And and just for the the records, um, it, the pickled cherries, pickled cherries, darling. I'm gonna keep the tomatoes. I'm oh. gonna bring you to the cherry aisle so you can have the cheesecake with cherries. That that's still alright with you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, that sounds lovely. My grandma used to make a lovelier cherry cheesecake, and and pickle. I'm sure just adds a adds a really nice dynamic flavour to it. I mean, like I said, I'm I'm pretty new to baking, but but I trust your judgment. You seem like such a <laughs> such a friendly, helpful chap. <laughs> Um, what's what's your name, by the way? Uh, my, my name is Peter. Peter what? Dressing. Peter Dressing. That's lovely to meet you. My name's Bork. 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 Yeah, it's it's Scandinavian. Uh, Bork. Absolutely, of course. I I I'm, I should have guessed from the combination of cheesecake and tomatoes. It must have been, of course. And it gets um, cold, you know. We gotta stay warm somehow. Yeah. So, um, are you enjoying living in the city? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. So, so I I grew up in the middle of nowhere. It's freezing cold. Lots of lots of herring, lots of herring. So yeah, it's it's really nice uh, around uh, Manhattan this this time of year. How how about yourself? Are you are you new to the big city? Well, uh, not really, but uh, I have to say I I do enjoy it. It's actually interesting okay. that in the Scandinavian language you call you know uh, we are actually in the middle of Birmingham at the moment, but it's interesting you call it Manhattan. I suppose it's a it's a maybe local tradition in in your area yeah 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 you know i i travel around so much these days i i get these big cities big cities confused did you say it was birmingham because i the the ticket i brought definitely said new york it was or was it york new york i i I thought they were the same thing and i thought that the flight over to, to the uk was was america was pretty short um pretty short right wasn't it yeah yeah um is is this not the US of A? <laughs> I think we can rub it here. <laughs> Find out what happens next week on the adventures of Bork <laughs> and Peter Dressing. That, that is also like a, a pretty realistic, actually, representation of my geography knowledge, if I'm completely <laughs> honest. <laughs> but I think Likewise. the point comes across beautifully, as in mm. it doesn't take almost anything to make a conversation move forward mm. with the right 
it doesn't have to be necessarily yes and, but it's more like a, the mental model somehow, the yes and. But, right? but yeah, that, that's, that's a really cool exercise. Just to keep in the back of your mind, um, like open-ended questions are one of the ones that yeah. that's the key that I've found, which is one I've always struggled with because it's very easy to say, oh yeah, don't ask yes, no questions because it does kind of drop that ball or the exactly. conversational bottlenecks rocks. the conversation, yeah. So yeah, so always trying to think like that. It's It's obviously difficult in the moment, but thinking of those open-ended questions is uh, great and something i didn't do a good job of there i noticed on the other side what is your relationship as an introvert with silence in a conversation silence it's something that i'm conscious that i've been trying to work on because naturally i don't like silence i like silence when i'm on my own mm -hmm. but when there's silence in a conversation my anxious ten, ten, ten not temptations anxious tendencies right go into overdrive because yep. when you're having a conversation you're talking and i'm constantly going oh what do i say next what do i say next pro tip don't constantly think about what to say next instead try doubling <laughs> down and listening to what they're saying my mind immediately goes into well you failed there now you you failed that you're you're bad at yeah, that's bad they're now judging you there they feel i think most of mine comes from a sense of i don't want the other person to feel uncomfortable like right, oh well, right. well you know the science and then they they don't know what to say and you can't think of anything right now so they're gonna be they're gonna be feeling bad no no now they're not gonna like you as a friend no, 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 no. and it's all your fault because you couldn't keep up the conversation how dare exactly. you exactly yes. and all that in the space of like half a second of silence but now i'm realizing i think an, a nice question i try to ask myself is what's the worst that could happen like realistically silence so what you're not going to be fired. They're not going to go, well, well, it was a good conversation, but unfortunately that was three whole seconds of silence. You are uh, not our winner today. We can no longer be friends. Goodbye, Theresa. Really me, eh? uh, you know, I, I think it's actually fascinating because I, I think I have two approaches towards silence when it comes to conversation. One is like the purely work one. So mm -hmm. when it comes to meetings and you have, you know, this moment where you say, does anybody have any questions? And then you hear the crickets in the background, the coyote, you know, singing in the canyons. Yeah, especially I, over Zoom or internet, yeah. Exactly. I hate that because mm. it's kind of wasted time. And if there is no action for more than three seconds, I exactly like you, I feel compelled to do something. Mm. But in this way, I think I framed this in my brain to justify, normally I jump in and I go like, okay, if there is no actions, we can close it here. Thank you very much. If you have any questions, let me know, blah. And I really like to keep these kind of meetings, like work meetings, really, really tight because I think I frame this to myself that people will appreciate that they can get time back on the other mm. side. But also the fact that there is stuff moving all the time and we're not just here hanging, we're actually progressing. So we're pushing the envelope a little bit. Mm. So that's been my, I guess, mental trick. Yes, yeah, so, so there's one bit here, which I, I used to do the same. And I still do to an extent, but there's one thing a lot of the time, three seconds of silence isn't actually that much, especially because it takes, you know, I know we've said we're very talkative introverts, but for some people, they'll prefer a little bit more time to digest that, or they may have an idea, or similar to what we're talking about with psychological safety, someone in the room may be thinking, I completely disagree with what you're saying here, but I don't feel safe to openly talk up about it. So giving people a little bit more time to, to actually answer those questions and allow the silence to sit there. I think it was in one of Malcolm Gladwell's books. Um, he was talking about cultural differences, how... Or was it Brené Brown? It might have been Brené Brown. Can't remember. I'll find it in the show notes. But they asked a question to an audience um, in, in South Korea, I want to say. 
you know, they, they'd ask, has anyone got any questions? And then, okay, yeah, no one's put their hands up, so no. And actually, there's a lot of cultural differences where, you know, sometimes yeah. it's, oh, well, well that, that person over there is given the prolonged eye contact. That person over there, you know, or sometimes you may need to leave 15 seconds because different formalities, different individuals as well as cultural level. When you're working for a global company, we do kind of go, well, no one said anything in two seconds, so that's the end of it. It could be that some people are happy sharing via chat or they might not have their video on, so they can't exactly like raise their hand to talk. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. And this actually leads to my strategy number two, uh, more strategy, I would say, framework, mental framework, mm -hmm. which is, for example, if I'm giving the, a presentation where questions are expected or yeah. I actually switch actively mindset and mm -hmm. I imagine to actually go on stage. Mm. Because if my mind, and again, it's an association from, I guess, the memory. If my mind is thinking, okay, this is sort of like a performance, mm -hmm. silence becomes part of the performance because now mm -hmm. I decide deliberately to put that emphasis on something. And then I can say, and we have this system for uh, uh, blah, whatever, video making, any questions. And then I feel very comfortable holding and stretching the silence further. Yeah, it but, shows that you want people to ask those questions and not just absolutely. any questions because I want to go off and have a coffee. Like you, you want <laughs> exactly. those questions. I have to say, though, for me personally, to be able to do that, I deliberately have to put myself into that mm. mindset. It's not something that would happen naturally. So I've just got one question. Where have you practiced this or have you just kind of fumbled along and, and hope that you'll, you'll get to a state of confidence all the time one day or, or have you deliberately practiced this in any situations? Oh, the stories. Um, <laughs> I would say definitely acting first was, I guess, the first kind of embryo of mm. all this. But if I'm honest with you, I spent five years in my, like at the beginning of my working career mm. in customer support, like phone okay. customer support. And, you know, when you have to, you don't want to, but when you have to, to speak to literally hundreds of people a day, mm. there is a moment where you have to come to terms with the fact that you have to do it. And yeah. any way to do this kind of has to make do. Mm. Uh, and I think this is because I've done this literally for years. So it's not something that I, I really had years to kind of hammer this sort of sometimes this conversation automatisms a little bit mm. or just you know making a habit out of some transitioning conversation from one topic to another especially mm. when you have customers that are angry sometimes abusive sometimes really annoyed sometimes mm. very happy so i think that has been really my my battlefield to try and test most of this uh <laughs> awesome yeah did, did you have some sort of kind of battlefield experience as well with this yeah i mean one of them i'd forgotten up until this point which is why i used to work in a in a petrol station or a garage uh when i was younger um again going through the late years of secondary school hunt strangers hundreds of strangers a day coming in going hello i'd like to pay for the petrol on pump too please i don't know where my accents are going today that, that like started <laughs> off as like he's oh, i don't know um so many different people from so many different walks of life just coming in and i'm like you know most people weren't angry some people were just like you know they're on a long journey but there was a lot of that the most recent one when we could travel you know i, I used to travel a lot one thing I tried to do is I had to get in a lot of taxis or Ubers. And this was almost like deliberate exposure therapy. I said before Ooh, that, I, right. you know, when you're trapped in a conversation, you know, that's difficult. And I was having to get a get a, a taxi to an airport. And I'd be like, okay, well, I could just sit here in silence or listen to my headphones. But also, I could just try having a conversation. 
right. what's the worst thing that could happen? Uh, I have to sit in a taxi driver in silence. So like, it's uncomfortable, but that helped me grow. But like, I had a conversation, I found out something new, and it was enjoyable. Even though the back of my mind, I was like, oh, what if you run out of things to say? It's like that exposure therapy going, oh, well, remember the last time you felt really worried, you survived, obviously, otherwise you wouldn't be having this conversation. Um, yeah, so I think it's it's tough, it's uncomfortable, but the more you try it, the more you will grow. That's an awesome story and a fantastic way to wrap up what I think is a great episode. Aye. But it doesn't end here because we do actually have social channels now. And of course, we would love to hear from literally everyone. <laughs> I thought so- you were going to say literally anyone. Um, <laughs> Which is true as well. I'm definitely more ambitious than that. <laughs> so now everybody, homeworks. So for everybody listen, you go to at Brainstorm Squared on, where are we, Aiden? We're on Instagram. We're on we Instagram, are on Facebook. Facebook. I don't know how to Twitter. I somehow missed that one. So that's okay. going to be Inst- your job. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> let's start with the Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. And and let us know. Tag us. And, you know, let's let's talk. If you have ideas about next episodes, just like Benny for this one, do tell us, please. We will take everything, you know, into our master list. And, of course, this was like a dramatic pause, but a bit too early probably for our <laughs> closing line. Sorry, I, I, I lost myself. I was going to say. We want everybody to know that, that it's okay. It's okay. Not, Not to, be, to okay. be okay. We'll see you next time. Take care, everyone. Outro music. <laughs>